I want to preface this with a couple things. First of all, um, this is a message that God had me share in Idaho uh, when we went with uh, the trip uh, back in May and uh, we did the bodybuilding conference. And uh, this was what started the conference really on Wednesday evening. I shared this with the body of Christ. And uh, to be honest, it was a very difficult and heavy uh, type of message dealing with leadership within the body of Christ and talking about, and we'll be talking about tonight, what leadership is and and um, how it was appointed and, and orchestrated by God in the body, and then the responsibility that we have towards the leadership that God gives to us. And so I'm sure you can understand why uh, it can be difficult for me to share with you, because if you don't trust me, uh, that this is from the Lord, then it's just going to sound like Jerry just, you know, wants all this stuff and attention, and you know, he wants, you know, to make sure that we know who's the boss. And and uh, if you don't trust me and believe that uh, the Spirit is speaking through me in these things, and that God has put this upon my heart, then you're just going to think I'm on a power trip, and you know, think that I'm just, you know, obsessed with myself and think that it's all about me. Um, but I share these things with you because it's important for, for several aspects. First of all, and the importance of leadership within the body of Christ, uh, you as ministry leaders need to be submitted to the authority that God has given to you. And I would share these same things no matter who is the pastor here. Um, and I hope that you guys know that already. I hope you know all these disclaimers are not needed. But um, you know it wouldn't matter who is the pastor here. Uh, I would still share these same things. When uh, Pastor Tom was here, I was submitted to his authority. Uh, even now as the pastor here overseeing in general the, the church, uh, I'm still under authority. Uh, not quite the same as, as perhaps you guys are, but um, you know, I'm still under authority. I still do what I'm told. There's, there's not really been a change in that. It's just the person who I am accountable to um, is is a little bit different. <laughs> Although we're all accountable to the Lord, you guys understand what I'm saying. And so I share with these things with you because simply I have to be obedient. Um, I have to share these things because it's what God has told me to share with you guys. And you guys need to know them because you need to be submitted to authority and have a right and accurate understanding of what the Bible says about leadership within the body of Christ. But these principles also carry on to you guys. Because you, as well, we call you ministry leaders, you are leaders within the body of Christ. And so the principles I will share about the pastor in general also apply in, in you know, uh, limited context, but you guys understand what I mean. It, it applies to you guys as well. There's a, an understanding you need to have of the biblical role of leadership that God has given to you guys. And so these things are going to be important for you as well. Another way these things are important for you guys is that you represent and you train those people that God has entrusted to you how to relate to the pastoral leadership of this church. And so you need to know how to relate to authority and how to submit to authority that you could teach the rest of the body those same things. The way that you are submitted to authority is the way that you should expect them to be submitted to authority and so on and so forth. And so your understanding of what the Bible says about leadership within the body of Christ is vital and it's essential. And so that's why I share these things with you. It's all about the body of Christ. The 
the the the Bible refers to us, the church, as His body, um, which means that it's not l- limited to an organization, but that it's an organism. It's a living thing, and understanding the church as the body of Christ gives us a lot of insight, because when we talk about bodies, every one of us has one, and so we can look at our own selves and get insight into this thing that we call the church. And so we can learn by looking at our own bodies and how we function and understand how the church is to function and how God wants us to uh, relate to one another and how uh, the, the relationships that he desires between the different members of the body of Christ. When we talk about the body of Christ, it can be referring to the entire church universally, all believers in Jesus Christ, um, even past, present, and future. Uh, it could be included with that. But um, it also can be used to speak directly and specifically to a particular, a local uh, body of Christ, or what we would call the church here, Calvary Chapel Living Water. We are the body of Christ. Paul tells the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verse 27, he says, you are the body of Christ and members individually. And so he's speaking to the church there and he says, you are the body of Christ. It's not just universally, but even locally, we have this picture of the body there uh, that we might understand how God wants us to operate. He's designed the church, God has, uh, to be like a body so that every member is unique Every member is important. Every member has their role and their responsibility. And he's designed it this way so that we all need one another. I'm not going to get into that. You guys uh, know that. But there's no member that's unnecessary. There's no member that is not essential in the body of Christ. So the Bible says the church is the body of Christ. It says that every member... Uh, every believer is a member of the body of Christ, universally and locally. Every member is important and necessary, and every member affects all the other members. And we could look at many, many examples of how that uh, uh, how that is is um, is true. When I went to Idaho, for some of you guys who remember, um, I flew out, and the day I flew out. Uh, I had to go to the chiropractor because I had a, one of the my ribs uh, in my back were out of joint, and it was just you know like you know like that much like <laughs> hardly anything, but it was out of place and it was messing me up for days, and uh, it still I was stiff even after going to the chiropractor for a couple of days after that, and so I couldn't move. I mean that little tiny bit out of place affected the function of my whole body, and I was very limited in what I could do. And, and that is the understanding of the body of Christ. When one member suffers, all members suffer with it. When one member is out of place, then it affects everyone else. And so we're united together. And that's one of the important things about us gathering together and, and developing that unity, that we have this understanding of, of the body and, and that we rely upon one another and relate to one another well. But the importance of leadership within the body specifically is what Uh, we want to examine a little bit more. If you think about it this way, everybody, not everybody, but everybody needs leadership. Your body needs leadership. Everybody needs to be given instruction and direction. 
Now, looking at the example of your own body, where does your body get its instruction and direction? From the head, right? Your foot doesn't tell the rest of your body what to do. The belly doesn't tell the rest of the body what to do, although it tries. <laughs> but, uh, but the head is what gives the instruction. It tells you know, the hand what to do. It tells the body how to coordinate together, to walk, to move, to, to do whatever it is that you want to accomplish. Now, let me ask you this then. How effective would your body be without your head? Not real effective, right? Um, without your head, your body is dead, right? That's just something you need to know. There's no question about this. Without a head, the body is dead. And so how effective would the body of Christ be without a head? It would be dead. It would be, it'd be just completely dead. H- how effective would Calvary Chapel Living Water be without a head? Well, how effective would we be if the head existed, but we were just disconnected from it? <laughs> Same, we're dead, right? <laughs> Again, it's the importance of the head. The body needs a head. Without a head, the body is dead. Now, we have... I mean, that's okay. That's good news because Paul tells us in Ephesians 5.23 that Christ is the head of the church and the Savior of the body. Just as the husband is the head of the wife, Christ is the head of the church. So of Calvary Chapel Living Water, the head is Christ. The head is Jesus. And we need that head. There's no way that we could survive or or be effective or or really accomplish anything uh, without that connection to the head, without the connection to Jesus Christ, for Him to give to us instruction and direction. And just as your head, connected by all the nervous system and all the, the different systems that connects it to the rest of the body, sends the signal and tells your fingers exactly what to do, Jesus does the same thing with his body. He sends the signals. He's connected to the body uh, through this network and he sends the signals and, and directs the body and accomplishes what he desires to do. Christ is the head of the church. He is the head of the body. He calls the shots. He gives the direction. He makes the decision. He gives the instruction and the leadership. And that's good news because, again, without a head, the body is what? Dead. The body's dead. So, the body needs a head. Jesus Christ is the head. Now let me ask you, how has Jesus chosen to give direction and instruction to the rest of the body of Christ? Very simply, through leadership. How has Jesus chosen to give direction and instruction to Calvary Chapel Living Water? Through, well, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. What happened? Says he's teaching on, on this. Oh, on Sunday you are? Yeah. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11, it says, And he, 
Who's it talking about there? It's talking about Jesus. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. And then he tells us why. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Again, we see Christ is the head there in Ephesians chapter 4. Jesus is the head, and he himself, it says in verse 11, Jesus himself gave leadership to his body. He gave leaders to the body of Christ. It's Jesus' gift to the body of Christ in the form of leadership. He's given us instruction. He's chosen to give us direction by these men, by these roles and offices that he has given. Now, however you define all these different positions, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers, there's uh, lots of discussion we could have about the, the, the roles that each of those plays. But the point is that Jesus gave those leadership roles to the body of Christ. Those are very specific roles of authority and leadership within the body. And it was Jesus' idea to give those roles to the body he decided that it was necessary for the body to have those roles. And and so we find that leadership is vital and important because Jesus chose to give leadership to his body through these offices and roles. And he gave this leadership, he gave these men to the body for specific things. To equip the body so that they would be able to do the work of ministry. That's what the body does. That's what the body accomplishes. He gave these men to the body for the edifying, that they would be built up and strengthened, that they would be established. For maturity, it says in verses 13 and 14, that we would not be children anymore, but that we would grow up. And then also for protection from false teaching. In verse 14, um, talking about not being carried away by every wind of doctrine and the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. And so there's very specific reasons that God gave these men to the church, that he gave these authorities and roles within the church. Now making it personal, this is why Jesus has given a pastor to Calvary Chapel Living Water, that the church would be edified, that it would be equipped, that it would be protected from false teaching, that, that, uh, what was the fourth one? Oh, that there would be maturity, that we would grow up in the faith. And carrying that on to you guys, that is why God has given ministry leaders to this body, to this church. So that those that God has entrusted to you would be equipped and edified, that they would be brought to maturity, and that they would be protected from false teaching. Jesus gives a pastor to the church, not a church to the pastor. Does that make sense? He gives a pastor to the church, not a church to the pastor. He doesn't look at the church of Harvest and say, wow, you're going to need a, 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 a... No, I'm sorry. He doesn't look at Pastor Greg Glory and say, wow, look at this great man. Uh, let me give him this big church. 
he looks at the church and sees the need. He looks at the, the, the need that's there for direction and leadership, for the, the message, for the equipping and the edifying and the maturity and the protection. And so he gives this man to that church to accomplish those things. In other words, the pastor is there to serve the church and minister and meet the needs of the church. The church is not there to serve the pastor and meet the needs of the pastor. He gives the pastor to a church, not the church to the pastor. In the same way with ministry leaders, it's, it's true with you guys. He has given you to that group of people that they would be equipped and edified, that they would be brought to maturity and protected because they need, just like the rest of us, we need that leadership within the body of Christ. Now, it doesn't mean we can walk around thinking we're God's gift, but in, in a sense, it's true. God has given leadership to his body. And we need to know it was his idea. Jesus himself gave some to be uh, prophets and apostles and evangelists and pastors and teachers. So the first thing we see, that Jesus gives leadership to the church. The second thing we find about leadership in the scriptures is that leaders are over you. Where are they? Over. They're over you. Now, that could be offensive. <laughs> Christians um, have a tendency to get out of balance on issues. Uh, you know, the, the Catholic Church has an overemphasis on Mary. And so many times in the Christian world, in the Protestant world, our response is to, uh, to de-emphasize her to the point that, well, she's not important at all. Uh, no, there's nothing special about her. Don't even really talk about her because, you know, because it's a reaction to the overemphasis that we've seen throughout the years. And the same thing happens with spiritual gifts. There's some churches that have this overemphasis on spiritual gifts, and there's other churches that react to that and say, oh, we're not going to have any gifts, we're not going to allow anything like that, because we've seen the abuse, we've seen the, just the craziness that happens uh, when those things are, are emphasized. Well, the same thing can happen with leadership authority within the church. We've seen abuses of authority. We, we've seen churches that have the overemphasis on authority. And there's the, you know, the, the iron hand or the iron thumb or under the thumb or whatever expression is. You, go, you know what I mean? There's the overemphasis on authority and dictatorship within the church. There's abuses of authority. And so there's also the other end of the spectrum, or the other extreme, where there's churches that really, well, we don't have any authority and we don't want to confront anybody or afflict anybody or make anybody uncomfortable. Um, we don't have any authority at all. And, and, and that's not biblical. The Bible teaches there is real authority for church leaders. There is an actual real authority for leadership and it's authority that's given by God, by Jesus Christ, to the church. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Um, you can look at it on your paper or turn there in your Bible. But it's verses 12 and 13. He says, And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. And then he says, Be at peace among yourselves. First of all, Paul says, you need to recognize those who are over you in the Lord. There are definite levels of authority within the body of Christ. And there are others who are over you 
in the Lord, who have that role of authority in your life. That word over you, it's often translated to rule throughout the rest of the scriptures. Now again, that word may hurt your flesh a little bit, but God has appointed those that would rule over you, that would be over you in the Lord. Now that's very important. We're not talking about, you know, um, the the shepherding movement where you know where you have to come to the pastor to get approval to buy you know a nice new Kia Optima or um, <laughs> sorry Cisco <laughs> you know that there's there's that again abuse of authority but in the Lord there is real authority God gives authority for your life and your spiritual condition to other men within the body of Christ, to other people within the body of Christ. And we could be upset with that and say, you're not the boss of me, but, but the reality is, this is the way that God has orchestrated it. He has designed it this way. There is authority. There is a structure within the body of Christ. And there are those who have authority in our lives, and there are those that God has given us authority into their lives. In Hebrews chapter 13, verses 7 and 17, the author of Hebrews covers the same thing. Remember those who rule over you. So those who rule over you, uh, they're not just kind of, uh, yeah, we know that they kind of exist. We don't really know who they are. We don't really choose you know, a particular person to lead. No, he tells in 1 Thessalonians 5 to recognize that they're to be set apart. It's to be clear. This is a person who has authority in my life. Uh, here in Hebrews, it's to remember those who rule over you. It's to be clear and distinct and and to be uh, set apart in our minds that these are the people that have authority in our life. Now, there's qualifications of what these leaders do, and we'll get into those uh, in, in just a moment. Um, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. And then again in verse 17, obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Again, the point is, there are those who rule over us, and we are to be obedient and submissive to them. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, he says, Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor. Again, using that word rule. The whole point is, we see it time after time, God has given to us, He's made it very clear, there's authority, there's uh, those who are over you, there are those who are to rule and to direct the body of Christ. Jesus has chose to give direction and instruction to his body through these men that he has given, through the leadership that he has given. And we may not like the, the words or the idea, but it's the truth. There are those people that God has given to the church that have authority and not only do they have authority, but they are commanded and required to use their authority. It's biblical, and it's something that God requires. The body of Christ needs those people who will rule and have authority and use authority within the church. Uh, it makes me think of the song of Deborah. I think it's in Judges chapter 5 or so around there, uh, where she says, you know, how blessed it is when, when the leaders lead. <laughs> Uh, there's those who have authority, but they're not taking action. They're not leading. They're, they're not stepping up to the plate. 
and that was the case with uh, the nation of Israel, and oftentimes that's the case within the church, unfortunately, that there are those that God has appointed to lead, but, but they don't lead, they don't step up, and they don't use the authority that God has given to them. So first, Jesus gave leadership to the church. Second, um, those leaders are over you. There's a real authority that God has given. And third, I, I just want to look at a few of the characteristics of those leaders, that we might recognize them and that we might know who they are and what they are to do. Um, as leaders, it's important for all of us to take note of these things because these are the things that God has called us to do uh, as leaders. First of all, in 1 Thessalonians 5.12, the first characteristic is that leaders are among you. He says, recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord. And so there's that dual relationship. They're among, but they're also over. And it can make things difficult sometimes uh, because sometimes we don't know when, you know, it's Brother Jerry and he's just goofing off and having fun and then it's Pastor Jerry and I need to uh, be submitted and obedient to, to what he's saying. And, and sometimes it can be confusing. Um, and, and we could look at lots of examples. But the whole point is leaders are not meant to be off in an ivory tower somewhere disconnected. The leaders are among you. The leaders are the ones who are right there with you. Which also means that God does not use perfect people. Now, I'm sure that he would if he could find any, but he's having trouble finding any, and so he's content with using you and me. And, and, and the bottom line, the reality is, leaders aren't perfect. There's no one who is a perfect leader. Not one of the mega church leaders, not one of the big Calvary Chapel pastors, uh, not Pastor Chuck, n- there's no perfect leader. Spiritual leadership is real, but spiritual leaders are not superhuman. They're not faultless. They're not on some unattainable level of spiritual understanding. And this is important to know and remember because those who are over us in the Lord will make mistakes. They will fall short. They will let us down. They will stumble. There will be difficulties and, 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 and attempts and tries and, and there will be all kinds of things that take place and those who are over us. And it will be a, a, a temptation to throw off the yoke in those times because, well, you make mistakes. But that's who God has appointed. And He knows that they make mistakes. He knows that we make mistakes. He knows that we're not worthy. But He desires to use us and He gives us those roles of authority and those positions regardless. It's important to remember that the leaders are among you because there can develop among us and within a church the sense that the pastor is unapproachable. I experience that all the time. Where people just, they're not comfortable uh, to come and talk to me and bring up issues. Instead I hear about them through one of you guys or someone else. Or sometimes you guys have issues you don't want to bring up and so I hear about it through Pastor Cisco or someone else. I don't want to approach, you know, Jerry. There's this, there's this barrier, there's this uh, you know, division between us. And it's really not biblical. Uh, It's really not the way that God has designed it. The spiritual leaders are to be among us. And we need to know that on both ends. That the the leader doesn't have the mentality, hey, I'm too busy for the people. You know, I don't have time for you. No, again, God gives the pastor to the church. Not the church to the pastor. And the people need to know 
Because they can often think, well, he's too busy for me, he's got more important things. But the people need to know, hey, that's the ministry. I, I'm, <laughs> he exists for me. I'm part of the body. I'm part of the church. He exists for me. That leader exists for me. And, and I need some time. I, I need to discuss these things. I, I need to resolve uh, this, this issue or this thing that's going on within my heart or, or the situation that I'm facing. The role of leadership is for the people. Not just in authority, but also personally. So, the leaders are among you. Not only that, the next thing we see, the next characteristic in First Thessalonians 5.12, is that there are those who admonish you. These are, uh, this is another characteristic of those that God has appointed as those who are over us in the Lord. We can recognize them because they're among us, number one, but also because they admonish us. That word admonish, it means to warn, to exhort, to rebuke. There's correction that takes place. There's, you know, the times where there's a sitting down and saying, hey, you're not doing what's right and you need to, to turn back. Or there's a sharing from, you know, generally to the body. Hey, you know, you need to do what's right and this isn't right and here's the way that God wants you to walk. Uh, warning against going into different areas or walking in different ways. The spiritual leader cannot have the attitude, well, we don't want to offend anyone or make them uncomfortable. We don't want to mention sin or confront anyone because then there's no admonishment taking place. There's no warning against sin. There's no rebuking and, and, and a call to repentance to turn from sin. All of us, every single one of us, needs to be warned. We need to be exhorted and corrected. And God has given us spiritual leaders in our lives to do this. A third thing we find, uh, a characteristic of a spiritual leader, is they are, uh, well, they labor in the word and doctrine. It says in 1 Timothy 5.17, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. And so the characteristic here of being in the word and doctrine we understand that spiritual leaders minister to us in the Word, the Word of God. Now again, let me ask you, who has God chosen to use to minister the Word and doctrine to the church? The pastor. This is not, you know, made up. This is not, you know, well, we just decided and, and we voted. It's not a democracy. Uh, this is... This is a way that God has set up authority within the church. That those who minister in the word and doctrine to us are authorities in our life. Those who minister in the word and doctrine to the church are spiritual leadership uh, to that body. It's a characteristic of, of the leader that God has given. So this is those who teach the Bible, who teach you what the Bible says about situations and events who teach you about God and His ways and His purposes. And again, it's something that we all need. We need this type of leadership. We need to be taught. And God has given us spiritual leaders to do this in our lives. Just like the people that you minister to need to be taught, they need to be admonished. And so God has given them you to admonish them and to minister the word and doctrine to them. One more and then we'll move on. And that is another characteristic of spiritual leaders is that they watch over your souls from Hebrews thirteen seventeen, 
Obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. That's a heavy thought right there. It's very important. The spiritual leader is going to give an account for the people that they minister to. Now everyone will stand before God regarding their own self, but as a spiritual leader, we will stand before God to give an account for how we ministered to them and how obedient and faithful to God we were and what He had given us to do and how we admonished them and how we taught them the word and doctrine and the way that we use the authority that God has given to us as leaders within the body of Christ. Now this is why a leader will labor in the word and doctrine. It's why a leader will rebuke and admonish because we will have to give an account. You know, consider that when you're preparing for a message. You will have to give an account for how you present that passage to people. You will have to give an account for instruction and counseling that you give to people. Now, carry that over to me. I will give an account for how I minister to the body, for the way I disciple you guys and the others that God brings. I will give an account for the counseling that that takes place and the conversations that I have. I will give an account for everything, really, that I do in my life and here at this church. I have to give an account for my leadership. And I watch out for your souls knowing that I have to give an account. Knowing that I have to stand before the Lord and say, Lord, yeah, they fell away. And part of the reason that they fell away is because I wasn't willing to deal with that situation and approach that subject, or I wasn't willing to confront that, or I wasn't willing to teach the appropriate and correct doctrine, or whatever else uh, we may use to, to keep us you know, from doing what we know we need to do. I would give an account. Now, think about it from the other side. Who would you rather receive counsel from? Someone who doesn't really care. Someone who, you know, they're just like you. They're just trying to figure out how to get through life and how to go through things. They don't have to give an account for you. But there are those that God has given in your life, those who are spiritual authorities in your life, they have to give an account. And so who would you rather trust with counsel, with encouragement? Who would you rather trust with insight for your life? Those who have to give an account for what they tell you? <laughs> or those who, you know, like, they, they don't know anything different from anything else. It doesn't matter to them, really, what happens or what you do with it. You know, Oprah doesn't care. She doesn't have to give an account in that sense. She'll give an account, but, but not for you. God hasn't given her to you as a spiritual authority. You want to go to seek out counsel and seek out uh, help from those that, that recognize and understand that God has given them authority in the ministry, leadership within the body, and they will give an account for the things that they tell you and the way that they encourage you. It's a heavy thing to consider for your own selves. It's a heavy thing for me to consider for myself. But it's the reality of the leadership that God has created within the body of Christ. A spiritual leader who does not use authority who does not use the authority that God has given to them, will give an account for that. And this is important too. A spiritual leader 
does not use authority to accomplish their own purposes, to accomplish their own goals, but they use authority and they do what they do because they watch out for the souls that God has entrusted to them, knowing that they must give an account to God. And so there's a real leadership that God has given. There's the importance of leadership within the body of Christ. It was Jesus' idea. He gave leadership to the church. Uh, He set them up so that leaders would be over, that there would be an actual and real authority structure within the church, within our lives spiritually. And we can recognize those leaders because they're among us and they admonish us and they labor in the word and doctrine and they watch out for our souls. Now, that sums up the aspect of leadership and recognizing leaders, the characteristics of leaders, the role of leaders. And again, it is a summary. There's much more that we could go into. But let's flip it around now and look at the flock. Look at really our responsibility to the leaders that God has given to us. And so quickly I'll cover these things, but five things for us and that God requires and commands us in our relationship to the leaders that he has given to us. Just as he thought it was right and correct and necessary to give us leaders, and just as he has given them responsibility for us and for our lives, he has given us a responsibility towards our leaders. We have responsibilities. Because he's placed these authorities, we are responsible to take these actions and have these attitudes that we'll look at in the next couple moments. So the first thing from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 is you are responsible and accountable to God to love your leaders. (laughs) George says, oh man. Uh, Now again, if you don't trust me, if you don't believe that this is the word of God that he desires for me to share with you right now, then you just think I'm out, you know, okay, everybody love me and give me lots of gifts and spoil me and, and that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying here's what the scripture says. You have a responsibility to love the spiritual authorities and leaders that God has placed in your life. He says in verse 12 of 1 Thessalonians 5, We urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and who are over you in the Lord and admonish you, verse 13, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. A couple things here. He says, for their work's sake. You don't necessarily have to agree with all the decisions or like the personality or laugh at the jokes. You are to highly esteem and love the leaders that God has given to you because of the work that they do, because they watch out for your soul, because they labor in word and doctrine, because they admonish you. You are responsible and you're commanded by God to esteem those leaders very highly in love. Not just a little bit in love. Not just casually in love but to esteem, to consider, to count very highly. Not just highly, but very highly in love. And so you get the point. There is to be a great love that you have for their work's sake, for the spiritual leaders that God has given to you. 
you are responsible for that. And I would challenge us to consider and, and, and challenge us, are you demonstrating that? How do you demonstrate that high esteem of love that you have for the leaders that God has given to you? And you guys, as ministry leaders, how do you demonstrate the high esteem and love for the leaders that you have to those that you minister to? See, you're the example, as we've been talking about in 1 Timothy 4. How do you demonstrate to them the way that they should esteem highly and love the leaders that God has given? As we're talking about Calvary Chapel Living Water, how do you demonstrate to your ministry the esteeming highly and love of the authority and pastoral leadership that God has given to this church? You are responsible for being the demonstration, for being the example for them of how to love, esteem highly and love, spiritual authority and leadership. It's something to consider. And I, and I would challenge us all with that, to esteem very highly and love the leaders that God has given to us. Second, our responsibility to spiritual authority and leadership is that we are to honor our leaders. From First Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in word, in the word and doctrine. So here Paul says to Timothy, the elders who rule well, talking about those who labor in word and doctrine, again, the pastoral leadership within the church, let them be counted worthy of a little bit of honor or some respect. No, no, what he says is double honor. Double honor. They're to be counted as double. Double the worth. Double the value. That word honor is, is weight or value. Now, again, this is a responsibility that God has given to us. It's a responsibility that God has given to you as a spiritual leader within the body of Christ to be an example to your ministry of how to count those who labor in word and doctrine, worthy of double honor. There's to be extra weight given to those who labor in word and doctrine. You are responsible and commanded by God to do this, to honor those that God has given to you as leaders. Number three, support your leaders. He goes on in 1 Timothy 5.18, For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. We're going to cover this in a couple of weeks in First Timothy. But here we have a responsibility to support our leaders. We're still talking about those who labor in word and doctrine. Here at Calvary Chapel Living Water, we're specifically talking about myself. We're talking about Pastor Cisco, Pastor Bule, those that God has given as pastoral leadership here to this body. You are responsible to support them. Now, I'm not asking you to give more money. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not trying to finagle things. And, and I, again, I hope these disclaimers are not necessary. I pray that you know my heart. I, I don't have any uh, you know, bad intentions or, or uh, any other things, ulterior motives for sharing these things with you. But this is just what the scripture says. You are to support your leaders. 
you are to be the example of support. We're talking uh, physically, practically. We're not talking about just moral support. But the laborer is worthy of his wages, Paul is saying. There's a financial, there's a practical support that needs to take place. And you need to be an example of that support to those that God has entrusted to you. That they would learn how to support their leaders. Because it's a responsibility that God has given every believer. Because he's given to every believer authority and spiritual leadership in their life. Number four, protect your leaders. Verse 19 of 1 Timothy 5. Do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses. You are responsible as a member of the flock and especially responsible as leaders within the ministry here you are responsible to protect your leaders. He says, do not receive an accusation. Anything that's brought up, unless there's two or three witnesses. So someone comes and starts telling you something, you're not even to consider it, to to pay attention, you're not even to let them finish the sentence if there's just one of them. Don't even receive it. Don't entertain it. Don't give it a second's thought. Hey, if there's two or three witnesses, then we can talk. And there are those times within the body of Christ that that type of correction and issue takes place. And so there's uh, the formula for it. We need to have the establishment of two or three witnesses. It needs to be verified in order for us to receive an accusation against an elder. You need to protect your leaders. You need to protect those that God has given to as spiritual authorities in your life. Don't allow gossip and backbiting and slander. Don't allow uh, talk against or, or um, uh, attacks upon a particular person or leader within the body of Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that there cannot be discussion about doctrines doesn't mean there cannot be discussion about the methods of ministry. That's, that's up for discussion. There's lots of gray areas. There's lots of room to discuss and, and talk and have differing opinions. But when it comes to accusations against, uh, when it comes to an accusation against the character or, or the intent, uh, you know, the things that we don't know and the motives of hearts, uh, when it comes to those types of things, you're not even to receive it you're not to be a part of it and don't 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 have any part of it. You need to protect the leaders that God has given to you. Number five, you need to obey your leaders. Hebrews thirteen one uh, sorry thirteen seven, obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. He goes on to say, Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. They watch out for your souls. They're watching out for you. They're trying to take care of you. And so be submissive to them and obey them. Let it be a joy for them to have that authority and exercise that authority in your life. Because if it's not a joy for them, he says it's unprofitable for you. If you make it difficult for them to minister to you and exercise that authority and leadership in your life, then... It will be unprofitable for you. You're the one who loses out. It's not them. You're the one who misses out. You're the one who loses if you make it difficult. And so you are responsible and accountable to obey your leaders and be submissive to them. 
Harvey, I know you're looking at that Hebrews 13.1. It's actually verse 7. It's a typo. 13, oh, 13.17. Is that what it is? Okay. Hebrews 13.17. Obey those who rule over you. Yeah. I missed the 7 on that one. Sorry. Obey them. You're responsible. You are responsible as a ministry leader to be the example to your ministry of how to obey spiritual authority. Now, I know many times we can be the example of how to object to spiritual authority and how we can fight and struggle against spiritual authority. And we can be the example of, um, you know, uh, how we don't like to be stretched and how, you know, we don't like to do the things that we're asked, uh, how we can be overwhelmed by spiritual authority, and so on and so forth. But you are called, you are responsible to be obedient to your leaders. And as ministry leaders, you are called to be an example to your ministry how to obey spiritual leadership. Think about it this way. The people that God has entrusted to you are looking at you. And how do you want them to respond when you exercise authority in their life? However you want them to respond when you are exercising authority in their life, that is the way that you are to respond when your spiritual leadership and authority exercises its authority in your life. And sometimes that means we're stretched. Sometimes it means that we are pulled in directions that we're not comfortable with. You know, and we can have all these objections. Are, are you waiting for the super pastor to come before you submit? You know, you're waiting for that one, the, the one that has the, the shining glory around him, and then, okay, I'll submit to him. Spiritual leaders are among us. Yes, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to blow it. There's going to be problems and difficulties there's going to be shortfalls but it's not up to you to object and, and to determine that on your own and say well I don't I disagree or I, I don't think that's right well if it's not biblical then you have a basis but other than that you know I don't want to go this direction or I don't think this is where God wants to take the church well God hasn't given you that role you're to obey you're to submit well I don't want to think of a harvest crusade or a harvest carnival booth well, God hasn't given you that role. This is the direction of the church and you're to obey. You're to submit. Or whatever else direction that God gives. Because going back to the beginning, it was Jesus' idea. He's the head. And how does he get his messages? How does he send his instruction and direction? Through the leaders that he's given. He himself gave some to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. Let me share with you one last example. We can look at the children of Israel in the wilderness. As God brought them out of Egypt. God brought them out of Egypt. He was leading them. Right? How was he leading them? Cloud by day and a fire by night. He was in charge. He told them when to set up camp, when to break camp, when to move, which direction to go. It was God leading and guiding and directing the whole time. All the way to Sinai, all the way to the edge of the promised land, all the way throughout the 40 years, it was God leading and guiding and directing. He was in charge. But at the same time, as God was in charge, He gave to the congregation a man. His name was Moses. And He gave Moses authority to lead, to direct, to communicate what God wanted to say to the people. And he used Moses 
to give the instruction, to give the direction, to be a leader and to have authority in the congregation. In the same way, the body of Christ needs leadership. It's Jesus who's in charge. It's his church. And he has given pastors and teachers, apostles, prophets, and evangelists as authorities, as leadership to that church that he might give his instruction and direction that he might share his word with the body of Christ. And he's given you as spiritual leaders that same role within the ministries that you operate in and that God has called you to. Now, that being said, if you disagree with any of that, if you disagree and you say, well, I don't believe that God has given Jerry to this church, then I would ask you to leave this church. Don't be here. Why would you be under the authority or, or, or try to be at a place where you don't agree with the leader that God has selected and appointed? Why would you be at a place where you can't agree wholeheartedly that yes, this person is called of God to have authority in my life and to have authority over the church in general. And I share these things with you guys. This is something that's on my heart and and it's like many times where I know this is what God has put on my heart to share with you guys. And so in my mind, I'm trying to figure out, okay, Lord, what are you doing? Why do you want me to share this? I, I don't necessarily know. And it kind of scares me that I have to share this with you guys. Because it causes me to say, well, Lord, is there this issue within the leadership? Is there an issue that there's not the proper understanding and responsibility to the leadership of this church or responsibility, not the proper action as leaders within the ministry? Are there those who are acting inappropriately uh, as leaders or are those are there are there those who are acting inappropriately to the leaders within this body. Now, it seems to me, for a while now, we've been undergoing some pruning. In my life personally, me and Kim, God has been pruning. He's been pulling back and, you know, taking the excess leaves and branches off and stripping us down to the bare minimum in a lot of ways. Together, personally in our lives, financially in our lives, uh, um, spiritually, uh, every element you could think of, all the branches, he's pruning. He's not just pruning one of them. Sometimes you wish he'd just prune one at a time, but he, he's attacking them all. As a church, we've been undergoing that as well. There's been pruning taking place. Financially, you guys, you know, I've shared with you guys already, and many of you know, there's, there's been a pruning that's taken place. We've had to cut back. God has removed things from us. As far as people are concerned, there's been a pruning that has taken place. As different people have moved on to different states and others have left the church and others, you know, we don't know where they're at, there's, there's been a cutting out. There's been a, a, a separation from and God has been pruning us as a body in many ways. And I am excited about that because, you know, uh, John chapter 15 says that he prunes us that we may bear more fruit. And so I'm, I'm excited about that in the sense of, hey, God is going to do something. 
He, he wants to do something. And, and I hear all the time, oh, you know, God's not doing things. But, but if you think that in this church, you're wrong. You just need to hang out and, and be a part of the direction that God is giving. See, there are those who say this church is dead and there's nothing here and there's nothing valuable here, but they don't come to Sunday evenings. Now, not I'm, saying, I'm not saying that you have to come to Sunday evenings, but if you want to see God working, come where God has given the spiritual leader, He's given myself, and He's put this on my heart, and, and we've been moving forward, and, we're, and, and, and we've been seeing God work. Now, I don't mean that thousands have come, and you know, you know, it's the Harvest Crusades all over again, but, but just come. Come and, and sit down with some of the people that the Lord brings. And different, every week, the Lord's bringing different people. And we're having an opportunity to minister to them. You know, Cisco and I have been hanging out with this dude, Javier. And, and Cisco is able to, just like he always does, you know, his coworker uh, was all messed up and came in and Cisco led him to the Lord. And it's just a fruitful ministry that's taking place. Come and be a part on Sundays and Wednesdays. Come and be a part of what the church is doing. Come and be a part. As I share things that are on my heart, understand not that it's all about me, but, but God has given this role and authority because He wants to deliver His instruction and direction through me to this body. And that's all there is to it. I mean, that's, that's the reason why God has given leadership to this church, to this body. And so God has been doing some pruning. He's been cutting back. And, and I, I suspect that there's, you know, we're not done yet. <laughs> I think the waters are going to get rougher. The the seas are going to get stronger. The waves are going to hit harder. The the pruning is going to cut deeper. And in preparation for this, in, in preparation for what's around the corner and what God wants to do, He needs to prune us. He needs to cut back. And in those times especially, we need to know what the Bible has to say about us as leaders, about how we are to relate to and be responsible for the leaders that he has given to us. Right now within the church, in general, there's you know a movement I've shared with you guys before, the emerging church, just continues to grow and increase. Um, I hear about it all the time on you know the senior pastor email server that I'm a part of, and they have discussions and debates, and sometimes they're heated. There's all kinds of rumors and speculation and all kinds of threats and all kinds of people saying, well, I, you know, like emergent and, and so on and so forth. So forth. Uh, we should hold on to good elements and get rid of the bad and, and all these types of discussions. And they go on all just constantly, continually, to the point that I'm kind of sick of them. But, but it's, a, it's a new thing that's going through the church. And we haven't experienced very much of it here. But we will there will be those who disagree with the way that we do things. I've shared with you guys already before, there's those who disagree with how long I teach. Why is that? Well, I'm not an authority in their life. God has given us authority. It's real. There are those who are over us in the Lord. But, the reality is we're not the lords of people's lives and we only have as much authority as they allow. They're to obey. They're to submit. God requires them. But we only have as much authority as they allow. I only have as much authority in your life as you allow me to have. 
And so if you decide, well, I don't like the way Jerry does this, and I don't like the way Jerry does that, or I don't want him to have, you know, say in this part of my life, or this part of the ministry, or, you know, whatever, then I say, get out of here. Don't stick around here. I'm not going anywhere. So you go. (laughs) Because God has placed the leadership in this church for a reason. And in your ministries, there's going to be those who say, well, I think we should do things this way, and I want to do this. I think there should be more emphasis on this. I don't think we should talk about this so much. Uh, Why don't we do these activities? Why don't we do it this way? There's going to be all this talk. You're going to experience it if you haven't experienced it yet. And you can say with just the same authority, hey, God has put me in this place. This is where God has me. If you disagree, move on. You don't got to stay here, but I'm not going anywhere. And this is what God has spoken to me. Because God has chosen to deliver the directions and instruction to the body through the head, through Jesus Christ. And He has chosen to deliver that through the leaders that He has put in place within the body of Christ. And so we need to know where we stand as leaders. We need to know where we stand with our leaders so that we can be prepared for the pruning that is to be taken place and then further prepared for the fruit that is yet to come. And so I share these things with you guys again. I hope you know me. I hope you know my heart. I'm not asking for anything except that you would be obedient to the Word of God towards your leaders and as a leader towards the people and the sheep that God has entrusted to you. Amen? Amen.